0: Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Smart Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richarding Associates, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for a better financial health to make smart decisions with your money.
1: We give common sense solutions to your complex problems.
0: I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years of experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, have an MBA in finance, and have been helping corporations and individuals with, with planning for over 20
0: years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We are right here Air up every Friday on uh, iTunes and uh, our website, moneymd.net.
1: Yep, you can go to our website and uh, check out the radio button on the right-hand side that links you to the podcast. So that's the uh, the the. Uh, preferred way of listening to us at this point and um, you can listen to past shows we have it categorized so uh, easy way to listen to the money doctors you can listen to us driving down the road that's right
0: anywhere anytime And do check us out on our website <coughs> moneymd.net where you can link to us there and ask us your questions we'd love to hear from you um, you can also email us directly at info at net. well John I think we have an awesome show lineup for the day a lot of interesting stuff here um at the beginning of the year, we're going. you know, now that, that Trump is headed to the White House, we're going to talk about Social Security.
1: Yeah, and he said he's not going to do anything with it. But, you know, there's such a huge shortfall looming that something has to be done. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't address it in his four years. It's probably not going to be in the first year right out of the bat. But yeah, I think you can make a pretty significant change on this and, and uh, be positive. For some people, right. um, to get it whole again, so we'll kind of dive into that.
0: Yeah, exactly. That that's an important discussion. So it'll be interesting to talk about that and see if they're going to make some changes. You know, another thing we're going to talk about is the eight reasons that you stay broke. <laughs>
1: There's eight <laughs> I that, of them. It
0: doesn't sound very positive, does it? Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> neither one of these eleven million dollars shortfall trillion
0: <laughs> I, well fortunately, hopefully you're not doing any of these eight things, yeah, that's right, so you're not staying broke, but if you are, you know somebody out there that can't seem to get ahead. We have eight reasons here out of Kiplingers that are probably some of the key things that are keeping them down, mm-hmm. so you need to pay attention to these, you need to teach these to your kids, and make sure they're not they don't develop these eight habits that are a problem that'll keep you behind the eight ball when it comes to your finances. Um, a great list here, uh, but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, we have some good friends that um, just had their second child, and I was thinking about texting them this this stat: uh, the cost of raising a child, uh, per the uh, Department of Agriculture, is two hundred and thirty three thousand dollars.
0: My stars. I think they may
1: have thought differently about, it, or maybe they won't have a third um child but that that is amazing that does not even include college
0: that's a big number
1: that's just living that's eating clothing housing uh, it's about fourteen thousand dollars a year which you know you kind of look at it and say 233 seems like a big number when you break it down annually 14 man, that feels like what it is we have i have two kids you have three so exactly you got to feed them and put clothes on them
0: wow so i mean you know if you have four kids you're pushing a million dollars to raise four kids
1: yeah that's amazing
0: that's crazy that's a lot of money you know and it just goes to show you i mean yeah i was uh one of our friends uh their uh their their son and daughter just had their fifth child mm. and I was just sitting there scratching my head saying what are they thinking? You yeah. know, what I mean, how are you going to support all those? But I mean, people do it. Yeah, you know, I right. I guess right. they they get out for less, or they just
1: it probably comes a little bit less expensive because you have the housing right there. You probably have some clothing from the other kids. You obviously have to to eat. And they have uh, activities and so forth, but yeah, it's still want, a big number.
0: It's a big number. I wonder if these numbers include college and. They do not uh, include college. They Don't include
1: no college, okay. college is excluded from this. <laughs> wow,
0: there you go. So, yeah, but, I mean it is expensive. The more people you have at home, this you know, be, There's, it's about an extra two hundred and fifty dollars a month just in food for every person yeah, in a house. This may
1: be good birth control if we spread this around enough. You know, yeah, you maybe know the people, cost associated with it. I mean, it maybe is. Maybe people would get it. Yeah. I, I don't think you know. I don't. Hopefully, the people don't make the decision necessarily on cost, but it's something that if you do go into having kids, you need to understand is right. it is it costs money.
0: Yeah, just understand retirement's not going to start till the kids are gone. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do both. So, you know, if you have a child in your forties, then uh retirement's gonna be out there. Just keep that in mind. That's right. <laughs> Interesting fact of the week though. Very good fact of the week. All right, that leads us up here to our first topic and that is Will Trump change Social Security? You know, is it in the cards? Um, Social Security, Medicare, those are two huge entitlement programs that um, are really driving the deficits. When you start looking out over 10 years, mm-hmm. and uh, something's got to be done. And so it'll be interesting to see if he, with with Congress, now that he has control of Congress, both houses for a couple years, if if he'll you know make some kind of moves to to write the ship on these programs.
1: Yeah, this comes from Tom Anderson at CNBC and uh President elect uh Trump has said he he's going to preserve it. Um you know, though if he and uh, Congress do nothing, there's going to be a 11 trillion dollar uh financial reckoning in the future and we've been talking about this for for decades now, really. The the last time Congress changed Social Security in a significant way uh, with a series of benefit cuts and payroll taxes was back in 1983 uh, under President Reagan. So you're talking about three decades ago was the last time that there was a major change.
0: Yeah, that's a long time Um, they've been looking at this issue. And back then, the federal government needed to fill a funding gap, about 1% of taxable workers' wages and by the time Social Security trust funds are projected to run out in the early 2030s, this time the federal government will have to plug more than a three percent hole in Social Security, according to the estimates by uh, the George Mason University's uh, you know center there that's doing these estimates. So yeah. there's a bigger, a lot bigger gap this time. A lot more work needs to be done.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and uh, just to keep the system afloat from year to year, at that point. I mean, they're going to have to inflict three times um, the, the changes or the severity of it that they had back in 1983. So it's, you know, the longer you wait, the bigger uh, pain that's going to be. And, um, you know, there is a, a GOP blueprint for reform. Though, though Trump's ch- transition team has yet to make any proposals on Social Security, there is one Republican lawmaker that has detail, detailed how he would change it. It's a gentleman out of Texas, uh, Congressman Sam Johnson. Uh, 86-year-old Texan who represents the Dallas suburbs and is chairman of the House Ways and Means Social Security Subcommittee. He unveiled a bill in December in the last Congress that aims to fix the program without raising payroll taxes. So they're going to change hmm. some stuff, but they're not going to do the, this bill says they're not going to do the tax increase. You know, right now it's at 129 for 2017. Um, some proposals have been saying unlimited. You know, Social Security tax. Yeah,
0: I do like the idea of of fixing the problem without more taxes because, I mean, it's already a huge tax burden for folks um, to, to pay in the Social Security system. But, yeah, Johnson's proposals would increase the age to receive full benefits from 67 to 69 and would slow the growth of benefits by a different measure of inflation for cost of living adjustments. And would cap payouts to high-income workers. So, I mean, in general, I think that's kind of a good way to go. So yeah, I agree. So, be interesting to see if anybody if that catches any traction.
1: Well, and he, he's urging his colleagues um, to come up with their own ideas. He's basically saying, you know, it's time for for us to uh, come up with a solution um, and fix this important program. Um, the Social Security Administration official said that Johnson's pla- plan would fix the funding situation at least until 2091. Um, without raising payroll taxes at all. So it certainly lengthens it out significantly into the future. And you know, typically Congress has shored up the fin- finances of the Social Security system with, with benefit cuts and tax increases, which is a little different than what he's, he's trying to do. But under the current law, just 79% of the scheduled benefits are projected uh, to be payable um, to each recipient as of 2034.
0: That's a big problem.
1: It is. You know, 80%. So, you know, under Johnson's proposal, Social Security trust funds would remain solvent and be able to pay out 100% benefits um, under the uh, SSA's uh, 75-year projection. So it kind of makes it whole. Uh, There would be another reckoning, you know, many decades into the future, but it does make it whole for – the 2034 time period advocates for increasing social security retirement benefits, which um, they say provide us about 34% uh, of income for elderly Americans. They oppose um, you know Johnson's plan for its cuts. Um, they they basically said, you know, if you look at a middle income worker, they would see their annual benefit, um, calculated in 2015 dollars, drop from about eighteen thousand five hundred down to seventeen thousand in 2030. So one of the changes that he's talking about making is um, reducing the uh, inflation adjustment. And so they're basically saying, hey, if you look at this over time, people are gonna get less and less and less based on the inflation adjusted dollars.
0: Right. Which yeah, is... I mean I, I can see the point, you know, that, that is true. I mean there there's gotta be cuts. That's the only way you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna balance it. You know, you either gotta cut benefits or you gotta increase the taxes on the front end, which is same thing. The money's gonna come out of, you know, everybody's pocket one way or the other. But not only does Johnson's plan you know, deeply cut benefits. They're saying it radically transforms the program so that it would be when fully phased in no longer a pension plan replacing wages, but rather operate in a manner of a flat subsistence level grant, which will provide recipients with an amount unrelated to earnings and contributions <clears throat> kind of feels that way today a little bit <laughs> it does to me too this is according to nancy altman altman yeah co-director of social security works which advocates to increase the social security benefits so you can <clears throat> you know that's coming from a view of one person that obviously doesn't agree with any sort of cuts whatsoever that's kind of a weird yeah. Dance. Yeah,
1: the uh, you know raising that age from 67 to 69 as Johnson proposes would also affect a lot of retirees since most people claim benefits before retirement age um typically at age 62 and they have some stats here you know about ha- half of the people claim at age 62 um, to me they would they would increase that to sixty three or sixty four to help out in the problem as well right. um, Very few people wait till full full retirement age it 's about a third on average, so most people are taking it much sooner. Than the full retirement age. Um, so, you know, the Johnson's plan really hasn't gained much traction in Congress. Um, the bill didn't have any co-sponsors and uh, has been yet to be introduced into the new Congress. So, you know, the clock is ticking here, Steve. I mean, this thing is, has got to be addressed. The Social Security income Absolutely. is projected to exceed its cost through 2019, but then the program will start tapping its reserves. So it's going to start going into the negative position. That would so, be a problem. And, you know, the politics of Social Security reform, it's not getting any easier. So when the trust funds run out, you know, it may be too late. I, I do think um, I, I think they can make some changes on this that would not impact the current retirees. And it would put that burden really on, you know, people in their 40s and, and younger than that. So Because uh, they have a lot of time to plan and, and make up for that shortfall.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they do have to make some changes. Unfortunately, I predict that they're not going to do anything <clears> about Social Security during this administration, <laughs> simply because, you know, his focus, he hasn't made any mention of it. His focus yeah, he is, said he wasn't. There's only so much political capital we have as a president and as Congress, and... You know, if you get bogged down in this issue, then you know, closing off the border and and fixing immigration reform and you know, replacing Obamacare and oh, he's got a lot of things ahead you know, of all no those doubt. things they carved out would fall by the wayside. So, I think they're gonna they're gonna start on those things first. That's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of political capital. Uh, he'd be he'd be an amazing manager if he can get in there and a leader if he can get in there and. Mm-hmm get all that done and tackle Social Security and Medicare I, I just don't see it yeah you, know? I, you may be right it's <clears> well certainly seen.
1: not his top priority <clears throat> right but changes are coming Changes at are some coming. at some point somebody's gonna have to belly up and I mean, maybe in a second maybe, term if
0: he could get the first term get get you know Obamacare fixed to the health care and then also uh, get the immigration reform completed. That would be two huge accomplishments mm-hmm. for one term. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see. That's a great topic, though, no doubt. All right. That leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. It's
1: uh, kind of tax time a little bit. Taxes in the air, you know? Yeah. Talking to some CPAs, uh-huh. they're getting all nah. geared up. And so one of the questions that we get a lot of times is, is is it too late to fund an IRA like a Roth or a traditional? And the answer is no. You actually have up until tax filing date, which. Is uh, April the eighteenth um, of this year. year? So you can you can put money in. Just had some clients put money in, and you code it as a 2016 contribution, and uh, you still have availability for 2017.
0: Yeah, it's kind of that weird time of the year where you can contribute to both last year and this year's uh, contributions. For like a Roth IRA, it's fifty five hundred dollars if you're under fifty. If you're over fifty, it's sixty five hundred dollars per person. Mm-hmm. So a couple can squirrel away, you know, $13,000 for, for the two of them for last year and this year. So it's $26,000 right now. You could conceivably slam into Roth IRAs, get that money tax-free forever. Um, I'm a big fan of that.
1: Yeah, I am too. I mean, it's
0: a great way to go.
1: Taxes are probably. I mean, we'll see. Trump's talking about lowering taxes, and um, you know, if he can get the growth up, it can offset, it can balance. So we'll see. Absolutely.
0: For young people, I think that's like one of your first (coughs) priorities for retirement is uh, getting that Roth IRA Mm -hmm. funded, right behind getting your match and and your 401k plan. So that's a great question. Okay, that leads up to our next topic here, and that is the eight reasons that you stay broke according to Kiplinger's, Hmm. um, this is a recent article out of Kiplinger's. And yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, unfortunately we see this all the time. We sit down with folks that can't seem to get ahead. We try to help them, you know, plan, help them budget, help them figure it out. Um, but there's a lot of reasons, you know, and, and it's very difficult for folks to face up to the real underlying causes of why they can't get ahead. And we see this all the time. So we're going to address some of those underlying causes. But yeah, I mean, you have maybe you have a job, um, even a good one, but your paychecks never seem to stretch far enough as you think they should, and ends never quite seem to meet. Um, you know you should be saving more and spending less, yet you never manage to do either of those. You know, you're hoping your financial fortunes will somehow turn around, but the debts keep piling up. Does that sound familiar? If it does sound familiar, then you better pay attention here. Cause yes, <clears throat> take some these, notes. Are, these are probably some of the reasons. So, yeah, <clears throat> instead of waiting for your situation to magically improve, <clears throat> it's time to take a hard look at all of the things you're doing that are contributing to your financial woes. That's right, it might actually be your own fault that you have no money. Unfortunately, it's, it's always related to your actions, okay? It may not be totally your fault. There are circumstances can definitely contribute, but your actions are a contributing factor always at some level. So here are the common reasons why people find themselves broke. Um, a few will probably look very familiar to you, but follow our advice for fixing your finances, and you should be able to dig yourself out of the hole. Over time, number one here on the list, John, is you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. Now, I know this is a cliche, but it is very, very true. People do this, even uh, without without really recognizing it, without realizing they're doing this. You know, their best friend maybe wears designer clothes, or your colleagues commute to office in a new car. Yeah, you know, your neighbor is moving into the big mansion next door.
1: I, I've seen a lot of people wearing an orange, and I have vowed not to go out and buy any orange. Oh, I just, so seen, I am not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I don't
0: know. I've seen you longingly looking at that, <laughs> saying, "Gee, I wish our team had won a championship." We can I'm read talking your about mind, clothes John. Here. I'm talking about the clothes. I think you are trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're 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 thinking about sending Matthew to making Matthew transfer to Clemson? <laughs> oh, aren't you? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can have it all, you know. I mean, you can you can be entitled uh, to it, too, is what you kind of feel like when you see all this. And that's that's what people think in the back of their mind, but should use the question. You know, keeping up with the Jones is a trap. It's easy to fall into, and it will get you into trouble. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, right? so simply put, I mean, you can't try to maintain a lifestyle you can't afford. I mean, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest barriers to becoming rich is living like you are rich before you're there. That's it right. sounds very simple but that's very very true. So instead of buying an expensive car with a big monthly payment, um you know, look look at um you know the best values in new cars. We recommend buying used cars. Um you know, let someone else pay that um you know that uh, depreciation. Drive your clunker until it drops. Um you know if you think about buying a house, put 20% down, keep your mortgage payment below 28% of your your gross income. So there are some rules of thumb out there if you follow you you can um, stay above water and, and succeed, but we see a lot of people that don't.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a good <clears throat> one. Next year on the list, though, is are you hardly working? I mean, the next time somebody asks you, are you working hard or hardly working, that old cliche, you know, don't just laugh off the question. I mean, you got to think about it here if you're not getting ahead financially. In fact, the answer may truly be that you are hardly working and you're all the poorer for it. You know, it's... It's not, you know, that attitude of it's not my job just in the job description will inevitably lead to smaller paychecks mm-hmm. and poor career prospects, according to Tom Corley, a certified financial planner and the author of Rich Habits, the Daily Success Habits of Wealthy Individuals. I think that's a pretty interesting study. I ought to read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, to get ahead you just don't uh you don't just do your job you do it well they say i mean nothing says you're worth it quite like the quality of your work so don't stop there make sure that your superiors are aware of your accomplishments by documenting the value you bring to the business be it through new customers you landed or projects you completed under budget you know as your successes pile up ask your bosses for a raise or promotion because chances are You're not going to get either unless you make the case for it yourself. So be sure to build relationships beyond your boss as well by networking with people both inside and outside of the workplace. You need more skills to advance. So find out whether your company will pay for professional development training as well. That's another good avenue. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, that's another one good here
1: point. Another one here on the list is um, you have expensive habits. I mean, you drink, you smoke, you you like fast food, and you don't run unless someone's
0: chasing you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
0: not a good combination, that, That's a you. problem. That's not a good combination. Yeah,
1: so maybe your health isn't great, but at least you're having fun, right? I mean, chances are, though, your finances aren't healthy. Um, either because your bad habits are, are also you know a big financial drain, and there's there's nothing fun about that. So um, you know those who struggle with money, you know a lot of times will have a slew of bad habits that you got to look at and see if that's impacting you. But you know if you give up on those bad habits, um, your wallet and your your health will will probably feel feel better. I mean, as you go through some of the numbers here. Considering a pack of cigarettes costs $6 on average, you'll spend about $2,200 a year on a pack-a-day smoking habit. Plus, the pack comes with $35 in health-related costs, according to the American Cancer Society. That's an extra thirteen grand a year if you smoke a pack a day. Wow. So smoking is not just the cost of the product, it's also the health effects. As for alcohol, even moderate drinking adds up. Just two glasses of wine a day runs you more than 1000 a year. And that calculation is based on sipping the cheap stuff at home. So, you know, if you prefer a Bordeaux at the bar, then, you know, you're going to be paying a lot more than that. So you've got to look at some of your habits and, you know, not only is it hurting your pocketbook, but maybe your health as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, smoking also makes you pay a lot more for, for oh, yeah. life insurance mm-hmm. and any kind of insurance for that matter, health insurance. So good point. Next year on the list is you make impulse purchases. Um, you know, we all been there. I mean, you're standing in the checkout line when something catches your eye, you put it in your cart without thinking about it. One industry survey found that about one in five supermarket shoppers make an impulse purchase at checkout. That's why they have all that stuff sitting sure, out know, there yeah. by the checkout line because <laughs> it does kind of look tempting. You know, a little flashlight, pack of batteries, gum, you know, all that <clears> stuff <throat> sitting right there at the checkout counter. And, and sometimes it's expensive stuff, too. Um, but so, you know, the occasional pack of gum won't break the bank, but multiple unplanned purchases, you know, they will add up over time and they tend to get bigger over time too. those impulse, impulse purchases do. It's amazing how often, you know, you hear people who are struggling financially as a result of uncontrolled spending. I mean, we hear that all the time. So to regain control, track your spending for a month to see how much you're throwing away on unnecessary items. You know, you don't have to cut out all the discretionary purchases, but you do need to come up with a budget to determine how much you can afford to spend after paying the bills and setting aside savings. Then whenever you do get to a store, make a list, stick to it when you go to a store, you know, resist the temptation to spend impulsively unsubscribe from retailers email list and avoid the window shopping at the mall or browsing store websites. When you're bored, both of those can lead to impulse purchases.
1: Yeah, that's right. I and mean, that's a good one. And another one here on the list is playing the lottery. I mean, the odds are one in 175 million. <laughs> it, not it's good. not going to happen. And, um, 77% of those who struggle financially actually play the lottery weekly. So $20 per week, you know, adds up to over a thousand per year. You put that into a Roth IRA and do that for ten or twenty or thirty years. You're going to have a stack of money. Yes, you Historically are. Historically speaking, if you look at the, the you know investing, you know you can build wealth that way. So, you know you gotta you gotta watch out and not play the lottery. It, it is not um, it's just not a good way. It's you're throwing it's entertainment.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's <clears throat> it's really you know more of a symptom than the cause and result. I mean that that same mentality that leads you to pay, play the lottery. Mm-hmm. That's what's keeping you from getting ahead. It's the mentality yep, of doing cool. that. So instead of throwing your way on lottery tickets, you know, put the money, like you said, into a Roth IRA. That's a great idea. If you invested $1,040 every year in a fund that earns 7% annually, the balance would grow tax-free to $105,000 in 30 years. That's not bad considering you only put like thirty-one grand in there, mm-hmm. you know, over time. So... Yeah, you want to make sure you, you don't get stuck in things like playing the lottery. That mentality of looking for something, you know, free or a break or whatever is, is going to keep you down. So that was a good one. Next one here on the list is you make minimum payments. Um, many of our, our own financial planning clients, we see this, you know, they're struggling when they come in to uh, sit down with us. They don't really have a clue how much they owe, um, that they much less have a plan of how to pay it off. As a result, you know, many of them are making minimum payments without fully appreciating the amount of interest implications they're paying on that, you know, and how long it takes. If you make minimum payments, it it just takes forever to pay it off. So what you need to do is you need to start paying extra on your cards. Um, You need to make sure that you're paying uh, you know, maybe double the minimum payments on the cards. So that you have a schedule, you know, how long it's going to take a, I mean, we like to see people actually amortize it out, figure out how long it's going to take to pay it off, start with the smallest balance, mm-hmm. do the snowball effect, as we talk about a lot of times, John, where you're paying the smallest one off first. And then once you get down and paid off, you take that balance and you apply it to the next smallest one. So you build some momentum, you start paying them off, and it snowballs, and then you have a plan to figure out how long it takes to pay it off. So we, we, you know, draw that up for clients a lot of times and help them yep. figure out how to get through that. So,
1: yep, Yeah. Yeah. Minimum payments. I mean, that's, <clears throat> you'll not, be broke. You'll be you broke. If you do that. It's not going to work. Another one here on the list, Steve, is lacking goals. I mean, there's a big difference between a wish and a goal. So you got to sit down and, and do some planning. Um, this survey uh, by Corley, uh, he, he looked at people with household incomes, 35000 or less, and liquid assets of 5000 or less. Just 5% had ever set a financial goal. Mm. So, you know, there's some resources out there. The FPU class for Dave Ramsey is a great resource, but you have to make it a
0: priority. Exactly. Yeah, and be specific and realistic as possible when you're setting goals. I mean, otherwise, you won't prioritize your spending. So, you know, use one of the money-saving, one of the apps out there. There are some apps that can help you do that as well. Um, You know, but don't give yourself a vague goal of setting up. Or saving for a down payment, instead, commit to saving, say, two hundred fifty dollars a month, which you know you can achieve by cutting expenses. So, be very specific when you set goals. So that's a good one. The last one here on the list is you hang out with the wrong crowd.
1: I can tell you, I've, I've done real well on this this year. I hang out with like gamecock fans typically. Do you? And we didn't have a lot of bowl expenses, so no, you that's didn't. I'm not going to be broke sure. this year. Yeah, so.
0: but. You know, keep in mind, if you hang out with losers, oh. it tends to breed more losers, John. <laughs> Easy. So, uh, talking about financial you here. You want to hang out with winners, okay? <laughs> I'm talking and, about financial here. <laughs> you know, I'm glad to see you're hanging out with a winner this morning. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't hang out with losers if you really want to win long-term, John. <laughs> Same thing goes with your finances. But, yeah, you hang out with the wrong crowd. I mean, when you were a kid, you know, didn't your mom warn you that hanging out around the wrong people would lead to trouble? Well, The advice is still valid when you're an adult and your finances are involved. It's hard to get ahead financially if you associate with others who have bad money habits. So, um, you know, you'll be less inclined to change your ways if you hang around with people who are reinforcing bad habits. So you have to make sure you're hanging around with good people. Find a mentor, a role model, somebody you can hang out with to help teach you how to manage your money, how to get ahead financially. Um, you know, and, and just don't let fear, laziness and uncertainty keep you rooted on the, you know, in the, in the sofa either, Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking even small steps to use your time wisely can improve your financial features. So sort through this stuff, find the things that, um, that you can do to improve your financial situation, lose the bad habits and get out of the financial hole that you're in. Yes. You know, that's the moral of the story here. So, good topic. All right, and that leads us up to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah, there's a, a health savings account, HSA, which um, you can put money into. You have to have a high deductible plan in order to put money in there. You can put up to $6,750 for a family, um, and you don't have to use it. You can put it into this account, actually put it into some investments and let it try to grow uh, for your retirement, because when you get in retirement, reality is, is, is it's not all travel and, and fun and vacations. Um, a lot of it can be, but you're also going to have medical expenses. So it's, it's tax free going in, it's also tax free coming out as long as you use it for medical.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love an HSA account. Um, it's a great way to save for medical expenses. You can build it up, you don't have to use it. Keep your receipts. You can take it all out down the road anytime you want as long as you have receipts during that the period you've had this hsa account it can be years later it can be 20 years later if you have receipts showing that you spent out of pocket on those medical expenses then you could take that money out of the account down the road and uh heck you can let it build up and use it as your long-term care plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of the way me and kathy are doing it we're trying to fully fund that thing every year if we yep. can so Yeah, right we are too it's a great plan all right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. You can email us directly at info at Or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week.
1: Have a good one.